Pastor Nate is on vacation, and our church plant, Doxology, Pastor Steve was supposed to preach here, but then he got sick, lost his voice for a long enough time that we were trying to figure out what to do, and it got later in the week and awkward enough that it was like, oh, this isn't going to work, but also later enough that it was like, that's who can we call? Uh, so it was like, hey, Friday, <laughs> what do you think? So anyway, um, hi, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Right, this is not ideal, uh, but uh, in all seriousness, we believe that the Word of God is living and active, right? And so we can open the Word of God, and it, uh, it is truth that we can read together and we can receive together. So we're going to do that this morning. But first, before we get there, announcements. Not that that's more important than the Bible, but uh, this is what we do here. So a few things I want to let you guys know about uh, that is coming up, very exciting things. First, Portico U. This is sort of like the teaching ministry or teaching arm of the church. We're going to be starting a new session uh, in Ephesians. We're starting it on Saturday, August 13th here at 10 a.m. And we're going to do sort of an overview. In fact, uh, Dr. Jean uh, from New City Church, he's actually going to do that for us. So we just prayed for him. He's he's a uh, Pauline scholar. This is what he teaches at RTS. He's one of the professors. So uh, if you remember him, he preached, I think, last summer from... Uh, a Pauline epistle, and he just sort of had no podium and held the Bible and just from all from memory. Um, and so you don't want to miss him overviewing that. It's going to be fantastic. And so he's going to overview that for us, like I said, on Saturday, August 13th. And then starting that Monday for nine weeks, we're going to go through uh, Ephesians together. So please register and join us for that. Next is a Portico Kids volunteer training, Saturday, August 20th, from 10 to 11 here. If you are already serving on Portico Kids, please register for that. This is really an important time to be together, to not only learn about maybe some new things that are happening, but also uh, just refresh on how we do things because we've we've changed a lot. We've come to a new building. We're still orienting in a lot of different ways. Um, And if you have not, or if you aren't serving on the team, but you're interested in in serving with Portico Kids, this is a great time to come as well because you get all the information that you don't have, or maybe it will answer a lot of the questions that you have. We still do need volunteers. It's such a precious ministry to be involved in because you get to teach and steward these little, little children to, to know and love Jesus. Um, uh, it's a, a crucial ministry of the church. So um, if you have any questions about that, see Joy. She oversees Portico Kids as our ministry director. Next, we don't have a slide for this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Really exciting thing coming down at the end of August. We're going to have a sort of back-to-school block party. Um, Saturday, August 27th from 1 to 4 here. Uh, We are in the building. We own the building now, right? And so we're in the neighborhood, and so we want to sort of introduce ourselves to the neighbors, right? And so this is how we're trying to think about even outreach as a church, locally speaking, is that we're here, and we've never really felt like we could do that, even though we could, uh, when we're at like a school or at some other place, uh, because we didn't feel like we had sort of roots and permanency there, but we do now, right? And so we're having this really fun block party to sort of um, re- or introduce ourselves to the neighborhood, but also, you know, school is starting. And so we want to be able to um, kind of even encourage and celebrate our families and people and kids that are here. So it's a little bit of both. We're going to have food, sweet treats of, th- of kinds, like ice cream. I don't really know. I don't want to say. I'm not sure, but it's going to be good. Uh, we're going to have yard games, different carnival things. Um, and uh, I believe uh, a bounce house, knock on wood, I hope, you know, kids, don't tell them, um, 
but it's going to be, our intent is to have it to be really fun. Uh, so we're going to also have flyers, we're going to have community groups, I'm going to do it, uh, just canvas the neighborhood and invite people and just uh, introduce ourselves to them. Uh, so, and so feel free to introduce any, or bring people as well. Uh, just hopefully it's a really, really fun time for everybody involved. So mark that on your calendars, more details to come, August 27th, Saturday, 1 to 4, back to school block party. Uh, two other things just to remind you of, there's a member vote to affirm lead pastor, so we're going to be doing that on August 24th to affirm Nate Wagner as lead pastor, vote we're going to have. It'll be both in person electronically, so if you're here, you can we'll have a paper one. If you're not able to be here, we'll have an electronic vote sent to you. And then lastly, if you're new or visiting with us, we're glad you're here. I know uh, coming to church can be scary sometimes. You don't know all the rules and how things work. We are a family here. We don't just say that. It's not just like we're just making it up. We really are. And so we're excited that you're here. We want to help you connect to the family, answer questions you have, make you feel welcome at home. So any way that we can do that, uh, let us know. You can talk to our hospitality team. Seamus right there with the lanyard. He can help answer questions for you. Talk to me or any one of our people here, really. Uh, they'd love to help connect you and make you feel welcome here. All right. Get out your Bibles. We're going to open to Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 13 through 20. And we're going to learn from the Lord this morning. Let me pray for us, and then we'll read. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you f- that your word is living, that it is alive, that it is not just some stat or some history book that we read and have to figure it out, God, but that you are in here and that you are alive and with us now and you have a truth for us to receive this morning that will change us, it will make us different, it will change the way we think and change the way we live. We pray that you do that. God, we cannot do that for ourselves. We need you and the Spirit of God to do that for us this morning. So we pray that you do that through your word this morning as you are faithful to do so. Pray this in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to read Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 20, and then we're going we're to chat about it. It's going to be great. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, for when God made a promise to Abraham... Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, so we're going to be talking about this towards the end there, this imagery of the anchor of the soul. That's what God is to us. And we're going to see that God must be our only trustworthy anchor in order to persevere. So as I was reading this, I thought a lot about, um, for whatever reason, um, a parental reality sometimes is as your kids grow up, the world gets bigger to them. And as the world gets bigger, it gets scary, right? And their fears grow. And so things that they used to not be afraid of at all, all of a sudden become terrifying to them, like, like nighttime or storms. And so 
they, they have this need that starts to, that grows as they grow, that they need to be reassured. They need to be told that everything's going to be okay. And that is, that is very central to our human experience as well, as you can think, like, we need that, right? Uh, we have fears, we have concerns, we have anxieties, and we need to be told that everything's going to be okay. What's beautiful about this passage is that uh, God knows that. And so he understands our sort of, our instinct to look for that in everything, to look for safety and security and comfort in all of the wrong things, ironically. And so God in this passage redirects us and says, no, those things aren't going to work. There's too many complexities in the world to, to put your, all of your safety and all of your security on a person or a job or a good feelings, right? God is the only thing that can hold that. And so he moves us there. Um, and so we're going to see that God must be, must be our only trustworthy anchor in order to persevere in faith, because that's what we're talking about. If you remember last week, if you were here, uh, it was kind of a heavy text. It was a heavy topic, because it's essentially talking about, let's not assume that we're just good to go in faith, right? Let's not assume that we might not fall away from Jesus. We might not walk away from them. We need to persevere. And the very last two verses of that we're sort of uh, attaching us to this idea of promise that we, we just read about in our text this morning. Uh, so verse 11, if we back up, says, And we desire that each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, right? To persevere, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patient, patience inherited the promises. And then we, then we start talking about Abraham, and we'll get to him. So the question we're asking here with this idea and imagery of anger is how do we persevere, right? How do we run the full race? How do we finish well? How do we get to the end persevering in faith in Jesus? How do we, with faith and patience, inherit these promises that God has given us? God must be our anchor. It has to be. So we're going to talk about two things. One, why God must be our anchor. And then two, why God is a trustworthy anchor. So first, why God must be our anchor. Just to remind you, this is uh, the very end of our passage. Uh, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, right? Our hope. This encouragement for us to hold fast to it. This is something that God gives us. Uh, and it, it, it's our help, right? As we're trying to persevere, this is the anchor that we're supposed to hold on to, uh, that God is. And it's helpful because the author's writing to these people that are suffering. They're tempted every moment, every day to walk away for various reasons, right? Like faith is hard. Life is hard. I don't know that I can do it. This seems impossible, God. And so this author's saying, no, hold fast to me. Like I'm your anchor. So I want to, this is where we can unpack this imagery of anchor a little bit as God is our anchor. And it's helpful because I just went to the beach. Uh, so I was thinking about this as well. Um, one of the things I got to do at the beach this summer, which is great, I've been waiting for this, is I got to do a lot of wave crashing with my boys. So this is something I did with my dad and my brother growing up. Uh, and so he brings us out in the water, and you, know, you picture we're in South Carolina, waves are crashing, currents ripping and pulling all over, uh, the water's bobbing, uh, you know, over there, uh, above their height at times. Um, and I'm their anchor in this scenario, right? Just doesn't really, my wife just doesn't really, she doesn't love the water. Uh, and so, like, that was sort of the deal. So I'm holding their hands out there, and I'm their anchor. And the reason that works is for two reasons. 
Again, talking about the anchor. One is our anchor has to be connected to us. Right? It's no good. It's no good if I'm not holding my kids' hands, right? And then the water bobs them up above their height or it, like the current rips them away. If I don't have them, they're gone, right? So in the same way, as God being our anchor, he is connected to us. He is committed to us. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll be with you always to the end. Right? So he's connected to us. Anchors only work if they're connected to us. And the second is, anchors have to have access to the, to the bottom, right? To the depths that we don't have. To the realities, the realms that we don't have access to, we can't get to. So again, in this case, I'm holding my boy's hands, but I can, I can touch. They may not always be able to touch. The water's bobbing them up and down, waves are coming. So if, they're, if I'm attached to the water, if I'm floating, I'm no good to them either, because I'm going to get pulled by the same current. I'm going to get smashed by the same waves. So our anchor is only, uh, it has to have access to realms and realities that we can't get to, right? It has to have that depth that we don't possess. So you can see even just logically why God is the only logical anchor. Because anything else that you attach yourself to, anything else that you use as an anchor is going to fail for one of those two reasons, right? Just take people. It's an obvious, easy example is, right, we... we are fully committed to somebody, thinking they're fully committed to us, and they, they let us down all the time in big and small ways. And yet we think, oh, this person will be my anchor. It'll work out this time. And it doesn't. And then even more so with the, the, the second idea, um, all of our worldly anchors have limits. Right? They, they, they can't access beyond the walls of this world. But God can he made it, right? He is the creator, the sustainer of all things. So he has limit, or he has no limits, right? He has no depth. He can uphold all things by his words. So uh, he is more trustworthy. He's the only thing that can be trustworthy in that regard. But as we think about what we anchor ourselves to, when it's not God, it's, it's so many different things. And they all fail us for these reasons we listed and more, right? Relationships do. Money does. Our career does. Comfort and security, that's a, that's a hard one for me. I want things to be good and easy. Um, happiness, right? We want to feel good all the time. We want to be self-fulfilled all the time. And I think one that really stood out to me is ourself. Like, we want to, it's ironic when you say it out loud, but we want ourselves to be our own anchor, which when you start to play that out, it makes no sense, right? I'm going to anchor myself, and I'm going to tether myself to myself, and it doesn't really make sense, and yet we, we act that way, we behave that way, we, we live that way. All those things fail us all the time. So, this is why God must be our anchor, right? He's committed to us, connected to us. And he has access to realms and realities that we just can't get to. He is not limited like we are. Second, why God is a trustworthy anchor? And I think for us, this is the question, right? Because we can say, okay, sure, sure, sure. God is, God is a, the best anchor. But how do I know that I can trust him? That's the question for us. How do I know that I can actually trust? He may be the best anchor, but how can I trust him with my life? Right? It can be extremely hard to trust God's promises when our feelings, our experiences, and our circumstances all kind of stand in contrast. That's really hard to do. That's why we don't. 
that again, our, our text helps us. Right? Why can we trust God? It says here uh, in verse 18, right, so that by, actually let me back up, 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, which we'll talk about. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hopes that before us are anchor. So why is God a trustworthy anchor? Because he's unchanging. He doesn't change. And it's, that's really hard for us to wrap our minds around. He does not change. And our, our text gave us two ways he does not change. He doesn't change in his purposes. Have you ever been around somebody who changes their life all the time? Right? They're like, I have a new job and new aspirations, new hobbies, new lifestyle, new mottos, new mantras. Uh, it's annoying, right? If we're honest. We all done it probably. It's okay. Uh, it's annoying. It's frustrating. It also hurts you. It can be deeply painful if you're in a relationship with somebody like that, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a coworker or a boss. Because you have to live in wake of that. You have no idea what to expect. Right? You have to live in the wake of all their decisions, all the changes, all the, 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 the lack of knowing. But God doesn't do this. When God has purposes that he's given to you, he's established, he doesn't change them. We see that all over the Bible, right? He loves you. He made you. He promises to be with you. He promises to mature you and grow you. He promises to use you in his work and his kingdom. He promises to conform you to the image of Jesus. He promises to wipe every tear from your eye and bring you home to be with God. None of those are going to change. Those are purposes he has given you that he is not changing. So God is unchanging in his purpose. God is also unchanging in his promises. Same thing. Have you ever had somebody break a promise with you? It's painful, right? Even if it's a small thing. God does not break his promises. It says he cannot lie. Cannot lie. So when he makes a promise to you, and we'll unpack this more, when he makes a promise to you, it's good forever. He is going to hold fast to that promise because he cannot lie. It's part of his character. It's impossible for him to lie. And this was fun, even as I thought about like when circumstances change, you know, sometimes somebody says, like, I'll pick you up at the airport, and then their car blows up, and they can't pick you up at the airport. They're like, oh, I can't do it. Like, even when circumstances change, God holds true to his promises. He doesn't say, like, oh, Johnny, sorry, couldn't, like, world changed, my bad, can't do the thing. God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He keeps his promises. So God is unchanging in his purposes towards us. He's unchanging in his promises towards us. That's why he's the only trustworthy anchor. Now, you're probably, again, that's hard to wrap our minds around, so it sounds a little too good to be true. And you know the saying, if it's too good to be true, if it sounds that way, it probably is. Right? Many of us are having a hard time thinking about that and leveling with that uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because we say like, well, okay, uh, I want to trust God as my anchor. He's my only trustworthy anchor. He doesn't change his purposes. He doesn't change his promises. Um, and he's committed to me, and he has depth that I don't, no limits. But my life's a mess right now. 
Like, where's God and his promises and purposes towards me? Like, I'm suffering right now. Or maybe uh, you would say that, sure, okay, maybe God's faithful in all those ways, and I can trust him in all those ways, but I'm a mess. Like, I'm not faithful at all. Like, why would God commit himself to me? Why would he love me in that way? So when we're thinking about this, what do we do when we make big decisions in life? We look at reviews, <laughs> and, we, and we, add, we ask references. Reviews being past work, right, past experiences, and references being present experiences, present work. And God, in this text, gave us that. Right? He's good. He helps us. He gave us examples of his past work, right? We're talking about Abraham there, and his present work. We're talking about Jesus there. So let's go there. This is my favorite. So we can trust God because of his past work on our behalf. Flip to Genesis 15. Got to get my little thing here that flips my Bible. Okay. Genesis 15, just to give you a little bit of context. So Abraham, God called him uh, out of his current living situation and family and said, follow me, trust me as your God, and I'll bless you. Made him a promise that I'll bless you, make you great, multiply you. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. You'll have... uh, generations that you can't count, numbers the stars of the sky. And so he does it. Abraham follows God, Yahweh. And then in 15, chapter 15, you kind of see a reiteration of this promise. Uh, but then you see Abraham sort of had this, this back and forth with God because he's starting to have a hard time believing that this is going to happen because it's been years and he still has no children. So he's wondering, are you, are you going to hold up your end of the deal or what? Right, it says, uh, let's see. But Abraham said, O oh Lord God, uh, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. That's when he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Be And he believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. And he said, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. This is where Abraham asked the same questions that we uh, often ask ourselves. But Lord, how am I to know that I'll I'll possess this? He says, how do I know you're going to do it? How do I know that everything's going to be okay? I don't know that I can trust you. And then after that, we see this oath ceremony, which was referenced in our text. And it essentially goes like this. They take a bunch of animals, and they cut them in half, uh, and they create a pathway in the middle. And then the two people that are making the oath together walk through, signifying, if I don't hold up my end of the deal, or if I'm unfaithful, may it be done to me as it's done to these animals, which is being cut in half. Not good. If you read the end of Genesis 15... God walks through when Abraham is asleep. And it signifies the fact that God's upholding it by himself. Right? Abraham's not, he's not part of that oath. So what that means is that if God fails to uphold his promise, may it be done to him like this. But it also means if Abraham doesn't uphold his promise, that God's going to bear that burden, not us. Right? God's going to play both sides. And then you see glimmers of that in 
another favorite story of mine with Abraham and Isaac. Do you remember that story? They go, and he says, go sacrifice your son. And so they go. This is very dramatic uh, story, and they get sort of the top, and Isaac's kind of like, hey, dad, and like, I see the fire and the sticks, but where's the sacrifice? And what does Abraham say? God will provide for himself. And he does. Not through Isaac, not at Abraham's expense, it's through a ram. And then play that even all the way into the New Testament. Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross for us, right? Paying the penalty for our sin, dying. What held him there? His promise. His oath. He said, when you fail, I'm going to pay the penalty. Right? It wasn't weakness that held him up there. It wasn't fear. It was his promise to us. So God has made an oath to us. It's a sure thing. It's not dependent on our faith. It's not dependent on circumstances. And we will sin. We will fall short. Our lives will feel very unsteady often. But we have a trustworthy anchor in God. Right? It's his commitment to you, not the other way around. It's his work on your behalf, not the other way around. And so we can look to the past work of God, which is wonderful, it's beautiful. We can also look to the present work of Jesus. And this is sort of what we're getting at in the last two verses of our text, and and much more in chapter 7, which we'll talk about next week. And it says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So again, we're tired, and this is funny because it, that happens in Genesis 14. It's like right before the, the text with the oath and all the things, uh, Melchizedek shows up on the scene. He was both a king and a priest, so it was a very unique character. And then we see it again in Psalm 110 and elsewhere. But what we're unpacking here is the fact that Jesus went before us, right? He uh, sacrificed himself on the cross. He tore the veil, separating us from God because it, Back in the day, only priests could go into that Holy of Holies, right? Only one person. Now that veil is torn and we can all approach God because Jesus has done that for us. But there's more signifying things here that we need to remember. It says, Jesus was a high priest forever. So if you know anything about priests, it means this, that Jesus is a priest who didn't have to offer sacrifices for himself. Back uh, for, for priests that were in the line of, of Aaron or the Levites, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves because they were sinful, as well as for the sins of the people. Jesus is perfect. Didn't have to do that. And then he also, Jesus is no longer going to, like he died and resurrected. He's not dying anymore. Right? He, he's resurrected. He's not dying like earthly priests would die. When earthly priests would die, they'd have to like shift everything and do everything over. Like so, so, to kind of play that out, Jesus isn't dying, so his work is good forever. Right? It's not going away. It's, it doesn't have an expiration date. And then what's more, too, is Jesus offered his blood, which was perfect. He wasn't offering animal blood, which could never take away sins. Jesus' blood could take away sin for you and for me. So put that all together, and what that is saying in Jesus' present work is that it's perfect, and it lasts forever. And it's being applied to you now. That's part of why we take communion. We're remembering that truth, right? That Jesus is on the, 
on his throne, on the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for you and for me, applying his work to you and to me. And it's perfect. It can't go away. And it's going to last forever until we're home with him. So if you're having a hard time with uncertainty, with doubts, and with fears, this is what you can come to, right? Look at the oath that he promised to Abraham. That's for us. We see it in Jesus. And look at the work of Jesus done for you. It's not going away. And we're constantly in fear that it will. Right, so we have to remember that God is our only trustworthy anchor to persevere. He is, right? God must be our only anchor, right? He's committed to us. He has no limits. And God is our only trustworthy anchor because he's unchanging in his purposes, just unchanging in his promises. He cannot lie. And we can look, how do we know this? We can look at his past work. We can look at his present work for us. So I don't really have a big closing here for you. Uh, spoiler alert. Other, other than this, like, I think the things that we have to do, and I've been in church my whole life, so when you hear things like this, if the Spirit is at work in your heart, he's shining a flashlight on what you go to instead of God. He's saying that. Right? This is your anchor. As soon as I said it, you know what it is. Maybe it's a bunch of things. I have a bunch of things right? Like, those things are going to let you down. You have to know that. You probably already experienced that. God is the only trustworthy anchor we have. And I think the bigger question we need to answer and come to grips with is, what fears do we have in trusting God alone as our anchor? Like, say them out loud. Like, earnestly pray and ask God, to um, speak to your mind and your heart and convince you that he is the only trustworthy anchor for you. Ask him to help you trust him. You can do that. It's allowed. He tells us to. And if you're not sure, if you're having a hard time, meditate on the word of God. Story after story after story, you see how God shows up. How oh, God does keep his promises. All the work, like, it's not like the one story that they gave with Abraham is the only one in the Bible. There's so many where you can actually see how sure your hope is in God. And you can navigate and see how much Jesus suffered for your hope. Like, meditate on those things. And the last is, is um, and I don't like to do this, share, share your fears with other people. Right? Allow your brothers and sisters in Christ, to encourage you with their faith. Right? Sometimes we have these fears and we're just like, I'm the only one. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> Can't do that. Tell people. Let them help you. Tell God. Let him help you. Read his word. Let, that, let, let the truth set you free and help you. Now, this is good news. We're, we're to persevere. It is hard to do so. God is the only trustworthy anchor we have. But let's hold on to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is a bomb to our soul. It is so good. God, I pray that you would help us hold fast to you. 
that you would be our anchor. We would stop going to anything and everything apart from you um, to steady us. And we'd be honest in our hearts with the things that uh, we go to instead of you, God, and you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear that those things will never work. No matter how much we try and convince ourselves, and God, that you alone are our foundation. You alone are our anchor. And we thank you that um, you help us to hold fast to you. You're so good. We thank you that you've given us your son um, who's committed himself to us all the way to the cross and that his death and resurrection, his body and blood what he's achieved for us, what he's accomplished is given to us and it's perfect and it's never going away. It's lasting forever. And we just ask you to hold us close to you and hold us in faith. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.